welcome back to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast. My name is Woodrow Bellamy III. Today is Friday, August 21st. And on today's episode, we will be featuring a presentation that was previously recorded at our first Global Connected Aircraft Cabin Chats back in June from Allegiant that provides an overview of the Las Vegas-based carrier's transition to predictive maintenance and the process of establishing an associated aircraft network security program. But first, I wanted to remind everyone that we have announced the second installment of our Global Connected Aircraft Cabin Chat series. Coming up next month, September 22nd through the 24th, you can view details about the event at www.gcasummit.com. Look out for more details on the agenda and speakers for Cabin Chats coming up very soon. So as I mentioned, this episode features a previously recorded presentation given by Ankit Nanda. He is the Managing Director of Engineering at the Las Vegas-based airline Allegiant. They operate a fleet of over 100 Airbus A320 aircraft. He gives some great perspective on a topic that has been widely discussed at our annual Global Connected Aircraft Summit live event in recent years, focusing on how they adopted the Airbus Skywise technology for predictive maintenance, as well as the process that they went through for establishing an associated aircraft network security program. So let's get into his presentation from Cabin Chats. So just a quick introduction for myself. My name is Ankit Nanda. I'm the Managing Director of Engineering and Reliability at Allegiant Air. I've been with the company for about eight and a half years in a variety of different roles. And in my latest role, one of my newest responsibilities is also being the data security manager for running the aircraft network security program at the airline. For those of you that don't know much about Allegiant, we're a smaller ultra low cost carrier airline. Uh, I guess I can't really use the word smaller carrier anymore. We're at a hundred airplanes almost. It's an entire A320 CEO family only. We used to have MD-80s. All of them were retired in the span of 20 months, and that's over 80 aircraft we're talking about. And we replaced each and every one of them one-to-one, if not for a bigger number. We're now at about 98 airplanes, and we're on track to be above 100 airplanes soon. Uh, Our seats average anywhere between 156 seats on our A319s to 186 seats at the most on the A320 fleet. So what we're going to kind of go over today is what was the genesis of needing an aircraft network security program at Allegiant, uh, which is where the predictive maintenance aspect comes in. Why exactly do you need an aircraft network security program and what items you should address within it? How do you go about approvals and implementation of that program and what challenges you may or may not face during that time frame? Uh, At Allegiant, we've been kind of tasked with various different ways on how we run the operation. With the operation being fairly different compared to most other operators, we tend to be in areas where most people don't fly to. We fly, we may be flying to areas where we're the only ones flying in or maybe flying twice a week to that location. And these are smaller airports. So there's not a lot of capability for airplane recovery if something happens out there. Uh, the closest maintenance person may actually not even be at the physical airport and we may end up having to charter somebody out there to help fix that aircraft. So it poses some very interesting challenges. And as part of my role, I was kind of asked by my VP at the time, hey, how do we get over these issues and how do we get to what would be a truly predictive maintenance realm? 
And that's the keywords in there were truly predictive because we always looked at data. We had tons of data coming off the airplanes after each and every flight. We have all the MyReps and PyReps. You analyze those in and out and you go, how do we fix an airplane? But that's post-event occurrence. With predictive maintenance, the approach I took was, how do I get to a point where I can start seeing things as they start breaking or not even breaking, but rather getting to end of a life cycle and seeing the data coming off the airplane in flight and saying, okay, I believe this particular valve has another 10 flights left on it or maybe 20 flights. And it doesn't matter what the age of the valve is. I now have enough information to say, here's when it's about to fail. And that's where Skyway's predictive maintenance comes in. Skyway's predictive maintenance is the Airbus solution for doing this kind of work. Uh, and they use what's called a flight operations and maintenance exchanger. This piece is going to be very important because the FOMAX box itself is what's the driver for needing an aircraft network security program. Uh, it's manufactured by Collins and is it's got a bunch of different capabilities. So on the bottom right corner, you'll see a little bit of a, uh, a diagram of what it looks like. You've got the airplane, you've got the FOMAX box on it, and it can connect via various uh, entities. So you can do just regular gate link cell network. You can do SATCOM. Uh, you can use ACMS data as well, so over ACAR systems. And it has the capability of expansion in how it's going to communicate with you. <clears throat> Till date, Legion has 18 aircraft that have had complete retrofits. And we happen to be one of the first operators in all of North America to have, an, uh, have a FOMAX box that was up and running as a retrofit on an airplane. Uh, we've got it down to about three to maybe four days on the installation. And that's where the trained crew that comes in and does it on a regular basis for us. We've done a few at, at our MRO partners, but we've been doing more and more of this work in the line environment. We've used L2 um, to help us kind of come in and do this work. They've got a team that comes in and phenomenal guys, they come in, knock it out, and you don't even know they've done all this work. Four days later, the airplane's back up and running and uh, everything's working just fine. Some of the benefits from this obviously have been for us. We've been able to kind of identify some of our heavy hitters, go after those items and reduce the AOG time associated with those because now the airplane's breaking on my time rather than its own. Uh, obviously all that equates to a lot of dollar savings because now I can schedule all these events and plan out where I'm gonna do the maintenance I can have the right personnel and I can make sure that I'm moving the right parts to that location. Not only that, I can actually pinpoint what parts I need. So rather than ordering 10 different parts and hoping that I have the right parts in hand, I can go, that's the, the one and only item I need. Let's move it to my base out in Sanford. And for us, Tuesdays are very low op uh, flying operations. So on a Monday night, I'll say, hey, I'm going to go predictively after this item. I'm going to fix it. The pilot's none the wiser, the airplane's fixed, they never saw an error come up and we're flying as everything's normal. And really what that's done for me is it's taken what would have been a potential unscheduled maintenance event and it's turned it into a scheduled maintenance event. Uh, on average, we've seen at least a third of a reduction in our AOG time associated with these type of events. So what is the Aircraft Network Security Program? and why do I need it? Well, there was an FAA advisory circular, FAA AC 119-1A, and the chart on the right is an excerpt from that. If you can look at that, it talks about 
do you need, what do you need to adhere to if you need an aircraft network security program? Are there any special conditions associated with any network communications? So any connected airplane has an inbuilt network now, and we're, we're not talking about the existing network where just the flight guidance systems are talking to each other. We're talking about, do you have like a SATCOM system in some cases, depending on what type of IFE system, in our case, the FOMAX system. What happened was as part of making sure that security protocols are being handled appropriately, the aircraft type certification never really talked about uh, having special conditions associated with how do you secure that network. Uh, you got to think about when the aircraft was originally type certificated to now. And because of that, there's been special conditions that have come up associated with onboard network security for computers on the airplane. For the Airbus A320 family, there are two special conditions that were introduced. And if I remember correctly, it's uh, SC729 and 730. They were introduced at the end of December of 2018 and went into effect in 2019 when uh, revision 28 was released. What that resulted in was us having to address how do you secure your onboard network and the how is what your aircraft network security program is. Once you've got your aircraft network security program you uh, established, you have to submit that to the FA and they would issue you a new ops spec altogether for this, the D301. So what are the items you'd want to address when it comes to an aircraft network security program? Some of the key aspects, and this is kind of what my aircraft network security program is divided into as I go into each and every section in there, is addressing unauthorized access, whether it be an external source to the aircraft or an internal one, operational threats to the system itself, which means malicious changes to the network, whether it be somebody trying to upload wrong software or hampering with the system's uh, functionality. And believe it or not, that also includes how do you maintain your aircraft when it comes to uploading these items. The last, and this is one of the most key pieces that you want to make sure you have, is how do you detect and analyze and respond to events. So you have to have a security log analysis method for any computer that is affected by these special conditions. So let's go into a little bit more detail of what each of these areas uh, talks about. So when you're talking about external areas, you're really discussing physical security of the aircraft. Now, the good part is we've pretty much kind of had this down for quite a few years now. Every airline has their own methodology of doing this. The TSA has good policies associated with this. Uh, and you have site access policy requirements that everybody kind of maintains too. And as long as you identify those items, you can discuss how you've, you've captured securing the aircraft at the end of the day. Uh, you want to make sure nobody's kind of going up to an airplane having open panels sitting there, right? So you got to keep in mind, you got to train your people again and again uh, and I know this sounds like a broken record when you say this, but it's the truest statement even for the aircraft network security program. You see something, you say something. If you're walking around and you see an access panel that's open and you don't see anybody around the airplane, immediately question, bring that up to your management team saying, hey, that aircraft was sitting there, the panel was open. We should probably go take a look, make sure nothing was hampered with. Uh, 
the other piece in this really becomes is when you're talking physical security, now we've discussed what's happening at my maintenance facility. But what happens when an aircraft goes for a heavy maintenance visit to an MRO? You have to address that same type of concern there as well. Now, every airline is going to have different partners associated with them for their MRO work. I would highly recommend that you get with your MRO partner and discuss these items with them. It may not necessarily be something that's physically in your contract, but you should have a good understanding of what their requirements are in terms of background checks policies, uh, their security associated training, and how they make sure that aircraft are secured every day while the airplane is in their facility. This is extremely important to making sure that your aircraft network system is not hampered with that any time and nobody has undue access to the aircraft. When we talk about onboard the aircraft, there's a bunch of different access panels that exist. There's access to some of the main computers uh, right up front as well, even outside the flight deck. So for example, on the A320, you've got the flight attendant panel right up front. You want to make sure that you've secured access to that in terms of making sure there's no open panels associated with it. Uh, in some cases, there may be a USB or a microphone jack associated with it where you can upload data through. Please ensure that you've got some sort of lock or cover or a security seal on there. Now, for the older A320COs, it's a slightly different situation. You may not need those type of things because depending on which mod your airplane has embodied or not, you may not even be able to access anything through that USB. It's not connected to anything. So those are the kind of things you want to make sure your team is aware of and you're aware of at all times. Make sure you've got lock tabs, you've got security seals and all, uh, all the different panels where people can get to network wiring and all on the airplane. The key item in all of this and the hardest one that you're going to struggle with, or at least, you know, what I've seen, at least from my experience, is the onboard Wi-Fi access. That is your most open and vulnerable network on the airplane at this point. Keep in mind, you've got different scenarios. Right? You've got the aircraft network, which is going to be on a separate bus, and you want to keep it that way. You don't want to have your Wi-Fi network on the same network as your aircraft systems ever. When it comes to crew and passengers, you want to try and segregate those as well. There's different, uh, there's different ways how you can do this. And for network security purposes, what you may want to look at doing is actually making the crew systems uh, as being locked down by MAC addresses and making them uh, hidden networks so that nobody can get to them. So this should help as well. On the operational threat side, and this is by far the largest part of the aircraft network security program as you're working on it, is gonna be how do you maintain your equipment and tooling? This includes all your laptops, your PDLs, such as PMAT XSs, PMAT 2000s, whatever else you might have. When it comes to laptops, what we have uh, embodied on our side is we treat our laptops for the maintenance guys as tools. And in this particular case, because I'm discussing network security associated with the Fomax box, we specifically have laptops dedicated to nothing but the Fomax systems. We don't allow usage of those laptops on anything else. They do not have any Wi-Fi capability. They do not have any other software associated with them on the laptops to the point where we don't even have any Microsoft Office software on there, so you can't get to anything else. You want to make sure you kind of keep track of those type of items at all times. For us, these laptops are air-gapped as well, 
So when you go, the only way you're getting that is if you have work card that asks for that laptop, you have to go submit that to the store clerk. They will issue it to you and we're keeping a running tab of exactly who's got it when. If that laptop is ever left outside of a control environment or is left lying around, instead of going back to the stores, it has to be sent back to our IT for a complete wipe down. Doesn't matter whether it was hampered or not. You take a zero trust model and you go, I'm going to assume that it was hampered with and I'm going to react to that scenario. This way you can make sure that nobody can do anything to the laptop and address any of the software on there and uh, put any malicious software on there. Same with the PMAT scenarios, you want to kind of treat them in the same exact manner. Uh, and the key piece in this you're really going to be discussing is how are you going to load the software to these systems? How do you receive it? How do you distribute it? And what verifications do you perform? Receiving is becoming more and more tricky nowadays because back in the day you had floppy drives and the floppies would go missing all the time. So you'd have to assume that those floppies are no longer usable. Nowadays, you may receive it in an email. If you receive it in an email, make sure you have somebody trained in your team to look for all the certificates that go with it and they are identifying the appropriate certificates being available. Uh, keep in mind at the end of the day, you paid for the software, you deserve those certificates. So reach out to your vendor, reach out to your OEM, whoever's giving you the box, they should be able to provide you that type of information. And that does include all the PKI information associated with this because that helps for the verification of integrity of the software. How do you download security logs? This is the other piece that the Aircraft Network Security Program definitely needs. And the FA has some guidance on it, but it really does come down at the end of the day to what does your box allow you to do? For us on the Fomax boxes, we have the option of doing either a manual download or an automated download. Now keep in mind, if you remember my first slide, I talked about a hundred airplanes in the Allegiant fleet. I'm working towards 100 airplanes being predictive uh, analytics, right? which means 100 Fomax boxes. That means if I'm going to do manual downloads, that means I'm going to be doing something every day on 100 airplanes or every other day on 100 airplanes to see what's going on with the security of that system. And when it comes to security logs, what you're really looking for is, did they connect to the locations that they were supposed to? Did they transmit the data as they were supposed to? Did they transmit it to the location they were supposed to? Did it have any undue access in flight? Did it have any attempts to access, regardless of when, that were denied? You're looking for all those type of items. <clears throat> so obviously, when you're talking about a fleet-wide campaign, you really want to try and get towards a more automated method of downloading security logs. The trick in this really comes in is, the if you read the FAA guidance associated with this, the key piece in that is if you've got an automated system, it has to be OEM approved and designed. So the design holder has to come up with how that automated log is going to come off the airplane. I can't create my own software to say, hey, I'm just going to dump this on the Fomax box and have it come off there and use that way. It has to be something that I partner with Airbus and Collins with to say, hey, how do we get these security logs off the Fomax in an automated manner? And that includes making sure that all your all cybersecurity laws are being followed, right? So, or practices rather. So think of it as you want to make sure if you, you were sending a secure encrypted email, you want to make sure you're trying your best to 
secure as much as possible, which means you're going to add encryption to it. You're going to try using VPN tunneling. You may even add passwords to it on the header and footer so that you can make sure that the data is not changing as it's going through. Those are the type of things you're going to have to understand on how your automated system is doing it so that you can appropriately design your guidance to how you get that data. The other aspect to that would be, how are you going to analyze that really? At the end of the day, I can keep downloading these security logs, but unless the OEM is really providing me some guidance of what is considered a threat versus a non-threat, I don't really know what to do with that data. It's just information at that point. I need to make it actionable. Once you've kind of got that guidance with the OEM, you need to sit down, and this is where it's going to be the most important for everybody on this conference to understand. You need to sit down with your avionics engineering team, and you need to sit down with your IT cybersecurity team. You need to get them on the same page. You need to make sure you understand who, when, where, what of how you're going to be looking at these logs. If I've got an avionics engineer who doesn't have a cybersecurity and information security background, they're going to be limited to what they, they understand in that data. On the other hand, if I've got somebody from my cybersecurity team who's not really got an avionics background or has never really worked with aviation-grade software, they'd be able to tell you, hey, there was something here, but I have no idea what it is, right? So how are they going to, if let's assume my InfoSec guys get this data, they identify an issue. How do they know what to do with it? They've got no clue at this point. That's where you need to make sure they work well with your avionics team and mesh together and bring that up to them saying, hey, by the way, aircraft XYZ on this date and this time, the security logs showed that something was wrong. Here's all the information. The avionics engineer can then take that, look at the guidance provided by the OEM, make sure that the design is still being met. And if the guidance says that, hey, there is a threat, you immediately need to do a risk assessment uh, for that scenario. The reason behind that being, depending on what the threat is and what the system is, right? So if, let's say, I use my Fomax box, not just to download data off the airplane, but rather upload software to various boxes on the airplane as well. Well, any sort of security threat on that box now, the risk has immediately escalated to quite a bit, right? Right to the point where, depending on what the log is showing me, I may want to even ground that aircraft and kind of do a deep dive analysis of all the software that's being loaded on that airplane, make sure nothing's been uh, hampered with. So this is where you want to make sure your actions kind of coincide with that risk assessment. And for a lot of us on the airline side, yes, we've got risk assessment matrices that we've developed for all sorts of events. Cybersecurity is one of those tricky ones where your regular one may not necessarily fit the bill just as is. You may need to sit down with your IT team and kind of revamp some of your cybersecurity uh, risk assessment and your aviation risk assessment and kind of mesh those and uh, kind of come up with how you want to do that. The other piece is if you ever do see this, and please, this is a plea from my side to everybody watching this webinar. If you ever have a cybersecurity threat associated with an avionics system, bring it up to various forums such as the Aviation ISAC, because that's really where all of us can get together and collectively come up with ways on how to improve this method. And we're not going to be able to do this without each other. So the more we bring this up, the better we can make these systems. The approval and implementation, uh, you know, kind of what I said, training, 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 that's going to be a key piece. Make sure your InfoSec team and your engineering team are both being trained on what 
aviation cybersecurity is. There's various trainings out there that are available uh, from various forms, such as the Aviation ISAC that I just mentioned. They do have information out there that your avionics team should keep up to date with and same with your cybersecurity team. When you're talking about contract maintenance and MROs, make sure that they have the same level of training that you would give your maintenance guys. Uh, if the MRO says, hey, we have our own training and here's what we do, make sure that it meets your minimum level requirements for security training. If it doesn't, make sure that you guys go ahead and create training that would be specific for them. Uh, understanding the trust model and auditing systems is going to be a key piece because at some point or another, you're going to need to draw a line and say, this is, this is the area that I trust. This is what I don't trust, right? So in Cybersecurity 101, normally one of the common ways to do cybersecurity is creating what's called a zero trust model, which means I don't care where the signal's coming from, everything's untrustworthy. So I'm gonna run it through a bunch of firewalls, I'm gonna run it through scary log analysis and the whole nine yards. Well, on the airplane side, you can't really do that, right? At some point or another, some of these things are gonna be out of your control. So a great example of that is what we were talking about, physical aircraft security, right? I can't do much about what's happening on the side aside other than making sure my guys are trained and following all regulations as put forth by the airport authorities and TSA. I can't do more than that. So that's where my trust model builds in that I believe that the CIDR requirements establish a certain level of trust and security for this to work. On the auditing side for these type of things, there's not a whole lot today that exists in terms of how to best audit cybersecurity, aircraft network security programs. So work with your case audit team, help them develop these audits, help them understand the systems much better than just, hey, here's a box and it does stuff. Make sure they understand the details, make sure they understand each and every player who's associated with this project because that's the only way they'll be able to create an audit that can help you improve on these systems. Get upfront on all this work because there's a lot of it and work with your local FA as quickly as you can. Uh, in our case, we ended up starting with the FOMAX project prior to the special conditions coming out and being released. So we were in this really odd scenario where the special conditions came out after we started installing them and we immediately went, well, we need to work with our local FA and get these approvals for the ops spec. The key reason in this is if you're, if you're going to connect any system, whether it be the FOMAX system, I know there's Honeywell systems out there, Collins has other systems, GE's got their own system. All of these guys are talking about very similar items. Make sure you sit down with your FA before you physically implement this because it's going to be a lot harder doing it the other way around. I can guarantee you that. There's more that you can do up front to say, here's how I'm going to install the system and secure it and go from there. So just a quick item and this, this list is going to be more for discussion uh, later on. So keep in mind some of the challenges we faced were understanding what a certificate, certificate revocation list is. If you're somebody who is on the IT side, this, the word CRL and whitelisting is like second nature to you. You do that day in and day out. If you're on the avionics side or aircraft maintenance side, these are not terms we normally use. Whitelisting, yes, okay, fine, we use that. CRL, I can tell you between me and my avionics manager, we had to do a bunch of research on understanding how that would apply to an avionics box. And what that resulted in was, hey, we need to work with our OEMs better to understand if there is ever a CRL issue, they need to inform us immediately so that we can action those items. We've already gone over equipment control and media control associated with that. 
Uh, that's your software. Where do you keep it? Keep it locked down. Make sure only a few people can access it. If you've got physical copies of your software, control them like a library that nobody's ever controlled before. That's the only way you're going to keep it safe. Uh, personal security, we've already been over. Uh, and all of these items, I've kind of touched on these a little bit. The key piece in all of this is understanding a step-by-step -step of how it's done at your airline. And keep in mind, some of this may already be there, right? Personal security and the standards associated with that. Those are things that may already exist in your manuals. Make sure when you talk about aircraft network security and securing the aircraft, you, you've got that covered as well, right? Make sure you identified that. How are you going to control access to, in this example, the Fomax box? Add those items in there in the personal security. Add that to your software control. How do you manage that? And the biggest piece in all of this is going to be getting the right personnel on your team for this. Kind of what I was saying, you've got that IT versus cybersecurity thing, uh, IT versus avionics kind of situation going on. And now there's more people going to college for cybersecurity in aviation, but that's still a relatively new field. There's not a whole lot of professionals out there that happen to have a very perfect mesh between InfoSec and avionics. Get those guys together, have them cross-train each other. That's the only way you're going to get through this. And make sure you have ample time and cost to analyze to create and implement this. Uh, I can't emphasize enough. We've been working on RANSP for almost a year now, and we've gone back and forth with the local FA to make sure we've covered everything. And I'm finally at a point where we're getting ready for a final submission. So make sure you provide yourself ample time when you create this. Uh, just a couple of helpful standards that I've listed here. These documents did help me a lot while writing the uh, ANSP at Allegiant, as well as just providing me some basic guidance. It'll, it'll be in the handout if you guys want to refer to them. And uh, with that, I'm kind of done with the presentation part of things. I do want to just keep you, give you guys a thought to think about uh, so that you guys can go from there. Avionics and IT cybersecurity, the middle is where ANSP is. How do you address that? How do you address physical aircraft security and software security from the perspective of, you see a lot of people talking about, hey, I want to go to that operator and I'll hack into the airplane and fix it for you or whatnot. Why not do that on the OEM side, right? Why not work from the top down and create a system that works for all of us? Uh, and I, I'm going to leave that on a cliffhanger on purpose because I want that to be the point of discussion and for some Q&A. So with that, I'm going to hand it back to Woodrow. Thank you so much. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast.